Welcome everyone to the Pro Football Doc Week 5 podcast. I'm Thomas Casali and I'm joined as always by David Chow, Dr. Football Doc. Doc, how are we doing today? Doing, doing good. Yeah, uh, home office today. Uh, getting ready to uh, leave for that uh, game at SoFi tonight. Uh, Raiders versus Chargers, an old AFC West rivalry game. Bringing the family and... Uh, my little four-year-old woke up this morning and she was like, daddy, we're going to the game. I'm like, oh, you know about the game? She goes, yeah, that that thing you always watch every night on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. So, hey, Doc, real quick, you, you, you're going to be there. You're going to enjoy be enjoying the game with the, with the family and everything. Let's say an injury happens. Do you... Is there any benefit being at the game live or is it a lot easier for you to break it down on video? Well, here's the, the benefit and here's the, the part that's not good. I mean, the benefit is I get to, I guess I should bring binoculars. I don't know. I did. I mean, I've covered the only five games I've covered live, so to speak, have been Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> where I've been credentialed. And the advantage is that you can have your binoculars and you can see live what's happening, but also you can follow the action on the sidelines when they cut away to commercial. Of course, I, I want that blue tent to be invisible. When I was in the NFL, I loved the idea of having a tent. I lobbied for it. Uh, they always said no. And now that I'm out of the league, I don't like that 10 as much anymore. <laughs> I like to be able to see what they're doing. But so in some ways it's helpful, but in some ways it's harder because I don't have replay, but that's where you and the guys come in, right? Trying to send it to me on my phone. So it's a little different. My funniest story is the first time I was credentialed for a Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49 in Arizona, the Patriots against the Seahawks. And uh, Jeremy Lane, and that, that was the game with the interception on the goal line and, and the whole deal. But yeah, early on. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> defensive back, Jeremy Lane. And I was in the auxiliary press box, so I was pretty far away. And uh, two things we were able to do that game. One, Jeremy Lane, when he went down uh, after the interception, I said, oh, the worry for ACL tear. And people tweeted at me video or, or pic still pictures of his forearm bending 90 degrees, right? And I'm like, well, obviously he has a bone yeah. fracture. And I sort of, you know, and, and some people laughed a little bit. And then three weeks later, it was, it was announced Jeremy Lane had an ACL reconstruction surgery. So he got both on the same play. Uh, the other one is that was the game where Edelman went down, got down with ran the off, yeah. right? And you remember... And yeah. uh, and I saw on Twitter where Dave Burkett, the Lions beat reporter, was saying, hey, I'm sitting next to or within earshot of the of the eye in the sky spotter. And he keeps calling down to the Patriots saying, you got to check Edelman. So I had my binoculars trained on their head athletic trainer and their lead physician. They were on the edge of the sidelines ready to come in. But remember, it was a hurry up. They didn't have a chance. Yeah. And they ended up scoring a touchdown. And they met Edelman out on the 20-yard line, brought him over, looked at him. They went and looked at video, looked at, talked to Edelman again, and they let him back in for the next punt return. And the Twitter world and social media world was like, oh, they cheated, they were wrong. And I said, look, did Edelman maybe hide the concussion by popping up and running off? Were the, did the Patriots go hurry up on purpose? I, I don't know, maybe. 
but they followed the rules because the rules are you don't have the ability to stop the game, right? Unless you want to burn a timeout to stop the game. And from that Edelman quote concussion, non-concussion issue came what I call the Edelman rule, a medical timeout. The referee can call timeout. Yeah. The spotter in the sky can call down and call a timeout and say, go check that guy. And so that was a rule change that came from that. And a good one, because uh, if I live to be 100 more years, no one's going to tell me that Julian Edelman didn't have a concussion on that play. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch the Super Bowl, the vicious hit Edelman takes and doesn't miss a play. But, hey, we had the Patriots had a big game last night. We'll get into a, to a, you know some of those injuries. But the big injury of the week, Doc, is a former Patriot, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers quarterback, injured again. This is the fourth time Garoppolo has been injured in week four or earlier since 2016. This time it's a calf. What are you seeing with Garoppolo? I actually have some optimism. And on Twitter, we released a little preview. I don't think Jimmy G is going to be out very long, if at all. Obviously, he missed the second half. Here's what we see. Now, it's not an examination. It's putting together the medical pieces. I'm the first one to say calf strains can linger and uh-oh. But I went back and looked at it. We didn't see any particular video of a calf strain. You could tell that he moved pretty well and stepped in the throws on the first drive. And subsequent to that, he started to gradually go downhill where he wasn't stepping in the throws. The last two drives, he definitely wasn't stepping in the throws and he was running more flat-footed. Uh, before he said that he couldn't go anymore. And at halftime, you can understand how things get tighter. Post-game, Mike, uh, Kyle Shanahan said, and Jimmy Garoppolo seemed to reiterate that perhaps he got stepped on. Didn't see that on camera. The camera didn't, you know, went away from the quarterback after he threw the ball. And, but that fits the scenario. If it were a calf strain, he would have felt in a pop and knew the play that had happened and immediately started limping on it. But instead it was sort of gradually progressive, like something getting sore over time. Now with that, I'm hoping the MRI will show no strain. And with that, it's just controlling the swelling and not impossible that he returns this next week. So look, uh, Kyle Shanahan may say it's Trey Lance time. And uh, he may say, look, unless Jimmy G's hundred percent, I'm not playing him. But I think that at least right now, I have some optimism that he could be available if the 49ers so choose. And uh, before you joined us, you know, we talked about how teams often hide behind health. Yeah, right? we're going to get into that, Doc. Okay, good. Because I was just going to say, you've done gonna, your homework. Yes. Well, we're going to we're going to talk about the Bears situation a little bit later. Uh, you know, and again, you always mention, and it's the wording here that you used. He could be able to play, right? But we don't know if Shanahan's going to want him to play. And we might be seeing similar things in Chicago. And you've pointed this out in the past. So let's get through the rundown. Then let's break down how teams can hide behind injuries. Okay. So another quarterback that went out, Doc, and I know this one's harder for you to, you to really evaluate because there's a whole process involved. But Teddy Bridgewater for the Broncos went out with a concussion. Um any chance he plays this week? Uh, there's different degrees of concussions, right? And yeah. am I right by that? You are. And, and I would argue there should be different types of concussions. Right now, we call everything a 
concussion. But that's like saying uh, everything's a knee sprain, right? Back in the day before we had mm -hmm. MRIs or better diagnosis, there are clearly different types of knee sprains. And, you know, one day we'll get to where this is a grade 2B temporal lobe concussion. This is a grade 3C occipital lobe concussion. And this is how we treat one. This is the return timeline, et cetera. Different ones. This one, he got a hit pretty hard. And I actually was surprised. I didn't see it until uh, there was word at halftime, maybe that he was being evaluated for a concussion. His very last throw, Teddy Bridgewater, he gets a rusher in his face. And the guy's helmet, you could argue crown, hits him right in the face mask in a pretty jarring blow to Teddy's head. At that point, that's where I was like, he's not coming back into the game. Now, you, of course, you have to judge concussions by exam, not video. But no two concussions are the same. It's almost like snowflakes. Does someone have a lot of symptoms and they get better really quickly and return to play? Or very few or no symptoms and a headache the next day or two or three and then it lingers. It goes different ways, so it's hard to say. But statistically, and we have kept statistics on this, that it's not impossible for him to return to play next week. But a little over 50% of the time, you end up missing at least the next week. So it's not impossible, but that's kind of where we stand. Okay, and the Broncos are a team that, in terms of team health, are going in the wrong direction. You, We picked against them this week with the Ravens. A lot of injuries th throughout that team. Now Bridgewater might not be there on Sunday. Make sure to go to profootballdoc.com to see all our six scores for the upcoming week. Um, two teams we just talked about, the Broncos and 49ers, really dealing with a lot of injuries this year. A team that's not hasn't been dealing with too many injuries, but... Lost a big player heading into the, uh, the the monumental game with the Patriots last night, uh, Doc, is uh, Rob Gronkowski. I think he's the 947th player to suffer rib injuries this year. Uh, do you think that this has been reported as at least a couple-week injury? Is there any chance we see him in week five, or is this an IR stint? I don't think it's an IR stint. Um, here's the thing. First of all, he hasn't gone on IR yet. So if he goes on IR now, it would be a four-week absence because he's already missed the Patriots game. It's three weeks after you go on IR and you can't retroactive the thing. It's not like baseball. So this is why uh, I believe that he won't go on injured reserve. Now, when it happened, I was, I guess, wrong because I said, oh boy, big worry for big time worry for rib fractures the way he was hit. And I said, doubtful that he can return to the game, but he did, right? He finished that week three game and then came reports where he said it was four cracked ribs and another broken rib. I'm not sure that there's a difference medically. And then he talked about a lung puncture to Jay Glazer. Bruce Arians has just said three or four broken ribs and a pinch of the lung, whatever that means. Here's the thing, if it's a small air leak, small pneumothorax, which technically is a puncture of the lung, you can return to play in two weeks. The worry is his soreness, you know, the number of rib fractures, et cetera. And so they've got a Sunday game and then a Thursday game. Um, we'll have to see. He's definitely not out for Tyrod Taylor length. You know, uh, that was what, six weeks or something like that. I think he's back sooner than that. No guarantee for this Sunday, but there's still a chance that he could go. And then maybe the Thursday game 
is more likely, but he has not been on IR yet. So if he goes on now, he's going to miss four games, not three. Okay, so you're you're on the optimistic side of Ronk um, with the rib injuries. I've heard some people who were saying like four or five weeks. Well, I mean, look, if it's four or five weeks, um, maybe the the uh, the Bucks said, well, we know it's going to be four or five weeks, so there's no hurry to put them on IR. I don't know. I'm not so sure that I'm sold on that. So I, I, okay. I remain on the optimistic side. All right, well, we got a couple big running backs uh, dealing with some injuries, Doc. Thursday night, Joe Mixon got hurt late in that game. Um, they're calling it a minor high ankle spray. They're saying week to week. I'm no doctor, but as a fantasy owner, when they say week to week, I don't like them starting the upcoming week. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mixon? I agree. You know, with coach speak, day to day means week to week and week to me might mean a month, right? And uh, this morning, Adam Schefter reported it was a low grade ankle sprain. And I agree with that. Now, I just go by video and we put out our reports late last week after the game on Friday and otherwise, where it seemed to me Mixon had a mild, which is low grade, but high ankle sprain. And Schefter's report doesn't contradict that. He just says it's a low grade ankle sprain. It doesn't specify whether it's a low ankle sprain or a high ankle sprain. So I think you should count on Mixon being out week five at least. <clears throat> and we'll see from there. Okay. Another <coughs> running back. This one could be a little bit more serious. We're kind of, we're waiting for results. David Montgomery with the Bears suffered a knee injury. The team's saying no ACL tear, MRI pending. Then his backup, Damian Williams, suffered a quad injury. Um, reports are that it's the thigh bruise. What do you see for these two running backs? Because uh, the Bears need them. We'll talk more about them coming up. But the, the Bears offense can't go down two running backs. Well, they're going to go down one for sure, David Montgomery. And, and the second one with the quad, hard to say. He's iffy. If it's a quad strain, it's a no. If it's a quad contusion, he might be able to. So, uh, you know, uh, for my fantasy team that's been down some running backs, maybe I got to look at that <laughs> third string running back for the Bears. But in any case, David Montgomery, I we do not believe it's season ending. It wasn't the best video angle in the world, but we did not have a suspicion of ACL tear. More MCL sprain. There was a report from Rap Sheet about a uh, hyperextension. But in any case, where we think it is, is it's not season ending, it's not surgical, it's not serious, so to speak, but he is going to miss some time. And it wouldn't surprise me if he went on a short stint three-week IR. Uh, it remains to be seen. Obviously, the Bears are pretty close to the vest on injuries and and. Don't blame them, but sometimes some misdirection as well. So we'll see where that is. But somewhere in the middle in terms of the Montgomery news. Not good for week five, but certainly good for later season. Okay. Um, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers entered the season as the Super Bowl favorites. Okay. They're still one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, but the their defensive backfield, I mean, when you sign Richard Sherman and he's starting two days later, that tells you all you need to know. We got some more bad news on Sunday night, Doc. Carlton Davis suffered a quad injury late in that game. Is this long-term injury or will he be back relatively soon? Well, you know, open field, 
you know, non-contact, you worry for the worst, but it's not the worst, but it's not good news either. He strained his quad pretty significantly, I think. And, and that's one of the things that happens on slippery surfaces in the rain. You get more muscle injuries than you do, let's say, ACL tears or, or high ankle sprains uh, because you're slipping on the, on the wet surface. And uh, I think it's a pretty significant quad injury. It would surprise me if he didn't go on injured reserve. Uh, not season ending, but um, it would surprise me if we saw him back in the month of October. I mean, you're looking at a November return for Carlton Davis. And Anton Winfield was diagnosed with a concussion. Uh, so there's there's a few issues there with Sean Murphy bunting already down with the yeah. one hyperextension dislocation elbow injury. But I think he's probably close to coming back. And then, uh, of course, um, Kayvon Williams with the calf. So in terms of returning the Calvary, Winfield and Sean Murphy Bunting are the closest ones to coming back. Uh, Carlton Davis is a ways out and Kayvon Williams is probably somewhere in the middle. Just a quick note is Jamel Dean with the knee is the other cornerback out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Kayvon Williams with the 49ers with the calf. My bad, my bad. Thank you, Jacob. He, he couldn't wait to what you got wrong at the end. Uh, yes, to yeah. the knee is there. Kayvon's the 49ers. We are talking Jimmy Garoppolo. My bad. Thanks for that correction, Jacob. <laughs> well, and the, listen, the thing is this. Nobody's running on the Bucks, anyways with that monster uh, Vita Vea in the middle. Uh, so teams are going to have to throw on them to begin with, and now they're down corners. That means, listen, if you like betting overs, there's your team right there. Uh, Tampa Bay going to be in a lot of high-scoring games when uh, they face decent offenses uh, moving forward. Uh, another corner, Doc, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Byron Jones. In my defense there, I was like, why don't I go to Kayvon Williams? I'll tell you why. Because the 49ers have a banged-up uh, yes. secondary with their cornerbacks, and and uh, so do the Bucks. And the Richard Sherman thing is what got me thinking 49ers. Yes. Our brain has not switched to, to bucks for him. Yet. Yeah, That's I mean, my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> it's weird seeing him in a Bucks uniform, uh, and it's weird seeing him getting beat on every single play. But the you know, a, a, a team that's been disappointing this year, uh, and now they got a, an injury to Byron, the Dolphins and Byron Jones. Again, with the ribs, uh, he injured it in the first quarter. He returned to the game. I get, my question for you is, you know, we've been talking a lot about rib injuries this year because we've had so many, and you've kind of talked about what it means to have it for a quarterback, a running back, a receiver. What about a cornerback? If, if they have a rib injury, how does that affect their play? Well, I mean, if you have a rib injury, it affects how you breathe, right? It affects how you move, how you twist, everything that you do. It, it, you know, if you were to cough or sneeze, it would send you through the roof. So it's a big deal for any player in any position. Um, but, you know, uh, depends on the type of rib fracture, rib injury versus cartilage and whether you can do an intercostal nerve block and uh, and return and play through it. It makes your practice time limited, but it's possible to play through. And, you know, I, I think that we start paying attention to it even more this year because of Gronk and Daryl Henderson and, you know, uh, Tua. And, you know, uh, rib injuries have been going on a long time, but I think whenever they're to star players, all of a sudden it's heightened noticing of what happens but they've been around a long time. It's been every season for, for a little while. 
All right, let's move to Washington, where uh, one of their uh, top offensive weapons, tight end Logan Thomas, suffered a hamstring injury. Uh, you know, I, I assume, depending on the severity of it, probably not likely for this week. I think it's going to be pretty tough for him with the hamstring. Uh, he pulled up on it pretty good. Never judge the reaction of the helmet throw, but uh, I uh, I think that uh, there's certainly some frustration there, and that helmet throw was new, knowing he wasn't coming back that game. But I think it's going to be tough to come back for week five, and we'll have to await word on the severity with the MRI. Uh, we got a couple of big-time offensive linemen who suffered injuries this week, Doc. I'm going to start with my youngest son's favorite player, uh, Lions center Frank Ragnow. <laughs> Heard his toe. I'm, you know, uh, I got two kids playing center, so I'm assuming toe injuries are going to be a big problem for a center. Is that right? I thought I thought your favorites were long snappers, No. Centers and long snappers, yeah. That the the always long snappers number one, but was, centers are my favorite positional uh, players. Yeah, well, you know Frank Ragnow. I mean, last year he had the throat issue, and and obviously the bigger deal there is you know, the center is often the quarterback of the offensive line in terms of calling out protections, and that's where his throat issue was a big mm -hmm. deal. They obviously got through that. The toe issue, we didn't see a good video on it, but you know, is it a turf toe? How bad is it? Obviously you need to anchor and plant, right? You need to drive to run block and you need to, to anchor uh, back uh, for pass rush. And uh, so uh, that's potentially a pretty big deal. So we'll have to see how bad it is for him. What about uh, Jedrick Wills? Uh, ankle, re-aggravation, uh, coach said everything's on the table. Uh, what's on the table for you? Well, you know, there's a little bit of a fool me once, shame on uh, you, fool me twice, shame on me, right? So Jedrick Wills was injured the ankle before, and they returned him, and now he didn't finish. That usually spells a more prolonged absence because you don't want to continue with the yo-yo, right? They're getting an MRI. They're going to see what's happening. But it would not surprise me if he were shut down for a little while because no team wants to play shorthanded. And when you don't finish games, you end up playing shorthanded and a bigger recovery is coming uh, kind of deal. I'm not saying it's that, that overwhelmingly significant, but, you know, you look at Raheem Mostert and he didn't finish the game. Somewhere, and then, you know, he got put on IR and he actually had a surgery. But there's lots of examples. When you make it back and you don't make it, that setback, you know, it puts you out for longer. So I would expect them to miss him for a little while. All right. What about Brandon Scherf? At, uh, left knee uh, could be MCL related. Uh, yeah. Really I mean, that. that was on an extra point. And uh, of course, the, the camera follows the kick, so we don't see it. But the way that it was going, it looked like likely a left knee MCL sprain. He's anchored in, planted, and someone rolls up on the outside of his left knee. Um, you know, hopefully with a brace and other things, he can return and play sooner than later. But the way he was walking and moving afterwards, I think he may miss some time, but it, with some luck can avoid injured reserve. All right, and another big one, and again, we talked about this team earlier, the 49ers. Not sure we have much video on this one, but Trent Williams, they're saying right shoulder on him. Uh, did you see anything on video? There actually is a little bit of video on him, and I want to thank, I don't remember who it was. It was a Twitter follower that retweeted and even gave me the time. It was 8.50 mark of the fourth quarter, so I did go back and look at that. I think he subluxed his right shoulder. Initially, they were saying elbow because – 
he was holding his elbow to support his shoulder, but uh, right shoulder subluxation, we'll have to wait for the MRI to look at labral tear. Uh, yes, he can try and finish the season with a brace, uh, but it's not just a matter of being able to move the arm and keep it in socket. It's a matter of being able to punch with it and play with it. So, um, you know, we've seen some examples of Baker Mayfield as well as uh, Odell Beckham. Uh, they dislocated a shoulder, subluxed the shoulder. Uh, Baker Mayfield returned the same game, and we didn't even hear about Odell Beckham's till uh, after the game. This is a little different if you have to punch and really hold off a 300-some-pound rushing uh, defensive lineman. So uh, that's why Trent Williams wasn't able to finish. It's not a be being able to keep your arm in socket and move it and use it. It's a matter of being able to really push and punch and, and block with it. And that's where I think he may miss a little bit of time to get rid of the soreness so he can get his strength back. But I don't think his season is over, even if there is a labral tear. Okay. Um, some important defensive players, Doc, to talk about. Uh, Jair Alexander, uh, right shoulder. They're saying AC joint left uh, near the end of the third quarter and didn't return. Uh, can he play through that with a harness or is he going to miss some time? Well, he might play through that with a with an injection to numb it. Um, I was a little worried about Stinger, the way his arm was drooping, but Mike Garofalo reported AC joint. I have to believe my man, Mike. Uh, it's a little unusual to get an AC joint from a direct blow on top of the shoulder. I mean, it's more falling on the side, but uh, my hope is that, you know, he's going to miss some practice, but may be able to play through with a game day injection or at least not miss a lot of time. So uh, hopefully that will be the case. Right, one of the biggest injuries, I think, uh, just because of who they have on deck, you're looking at the Bills Chiefs next Sunday night, Matt Milano with a hamstring injury, one of the Bills' uh, best uh, defensive players, linebacker. Is he going to be there Sunday night or no? Well, let's put it this way. The good news and bad news on Matt Milano. The bad news is he's had a lot of hamstring injuries and uh, he's had five of them since he's, this is fifth one since he's entered the league. That's the bad news. Don't know if it was all the same side or not. The good news, he never really misses much time. Like leaves a game, comes back the next week, leaves a game, misses the one week, and then comes back. So he's never missed much time. So we'll have to sort it out. So there's the good news and bad news on Matt Milano. All right, a couple receivers who are hurting. Uh, Amari Cooper, Doc, he left for a few plays, returned, finished with three catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. I mean, early on, you kind of saw him favoring. Uh, uh, they're saying it's a hamstring injury. Any chance at all he doesn't play this week? Well, Amari's proven to be pretty tough, and I think there's a chance he doesn't play, but I think he will. I think it was more hamstring tightness because – if you really strain your hamstring, you're not using a Theragun to loosen it up on the side. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he was, either he was doing it on his own away from the medical staff, which I don't think so, or he was trying to loosen up the tightness and it wasn't determined to be a strain. And that's why he came back in. And that's why I would have some optimism for week five on him. Okay, a guy who uh, we could probably just put on this list every week, Will, Will Fuller, uh, suffered a hand injury, came into the game with elbow and chest injuries. Is he going to miss some time? 
Well, you know, pretty hard to catch a ball if your, you know, hand is not right. So, uh, yeah, he might, but uh, it's hard to judge what injury is. I mean, I think uh, pass play sort of hit his hand funny. I, I'm not sure what 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 happened here. We'll have to wait word, but I'd be a little pessimistic on him going this next week. Yeah, so for video-wise, I mean, hand has got to be a lot harder to determine than knee, right? <laughs> Well, you know, unless we can get uh, the the major television networks to zero in and focus on the hand or the finger, yeah, it gets harder. All right, before we hit our uh, you know teams hiding behind injuries discussion, uh, Christian McCaffrey, he didn't he didn't go on IR. The you know he he's the big fantasy player still dealing with the hamstring. I mean, if you had to, I know you don't like to guess, but. Let's say uh, someone like me asked you to guess. <laughs> Do you think he comes back this week or no? Uh, I say no. Okay. Um, I lean towards no. I think it would be great news if he came back for week six. I think week five is a bit optimistic. I would, if we were doing the old school um, injury reports, I would say this week is doubtful. Week six is questionable. And week seven might be probable, although probable doesn't exist anymore uh, right now. Now you say, well, they didn't put him on injured reserve. So why didn't they just take the, the three weeks if it's likely three weeks? Because he's Christian McCaffrey. If his recovery speeds up a little bit and you can get him back one game early, it's worth carrying him on your roster. And I didn't make too much out of the media reports that he traveled to the game. Like that's something, look, each coach, and I don't know Matt Rule, but each coach has their own policy on traveling. I've had coaches that say injured players don't travel. I've had coaches that say injured players always travel. And, you know, Matt Rule coming from his college roots, maybe, you know, they do some things differently. Uh, often you don't travel when you're injured and you know you're not going to play. Maybe they made an exception for Christian McCaffrey, or maybe that's their policy. I don't know. They do th do things differently. Um, you know, most teams travel with some sort of dress code, sport code, or tie or yep. something. Mm -hmm. The Panthers travel in team sweatsuits. I think they're Lululemon right. Lemon sweatsuits. And I'm saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying Matt Rule does some things differently. So maybe he just always travels his guides. So I don't take too much of that. Oh, he worked out pregame. Well, yeah, because there's no place for him to work out. That wasn't a workout to see if he was good enough to go. That was him doing some rehab work because you're in a hotel in Dallas. I mean, what is he going to do? Just run off to a nearby high school to work out? No, you're going to get to the field early and work out at the stadium early. That's your workout and your rehab workout. So I didn't make too much of that. It wasn't like he was testing it to try and play. Yeah, when, when I worked for the Patriots, I had to wear a, a coat and tie and I was a nobody. So the, you know, but I think your point that the point that you made, I think people should, should really listen to it is that a lot of times when you're on Twitter or the breaking news guys, they give you blanket statements, but your point about teams doing things and coaches doing things differently. Those are the little things I know you're always looking at to try to get, you know, the most accurate information, but it's true. Like, uh, like you said, uh, some teams won't bring, if you're injured, you stay home, but some teams bring the players. So you have to look at all that when, uh, when analyzing all this stuff and not just go by blanket statements. So oh, he didn't travel or he did travel. Um, so speaking of coaches and teams, uh, an interesting conversation. I know when I first started here, you kind of told me 
that I want to dive into a little bit is teams hiding behind injuries. Now, I, I got to hand it to you. I, I'm not making this up. You were one of the only people that said Andy Dalton's not playing on Sunday because everybody started to turn, right? Everybody, well, Nagy wants him. He's going to play. And then a beat reporter tweeted out a video, which he deleted relatively quickly. And you saw that Dalton was favoring his leg. He did not look right. And you said, this cements it for me. He's not starting. So you were right on the money there. Um, apparently he is going to start when he's healthy because he, uh, Matt Nagy came out before our podcast and said he's still the number one quarterback. But an interesting thing that, that you told me is how these teams can hide behind injuries. You've seen it with Jimmy Garoppolo. You've seen it with Jared Goff which ended up being true because Goff is now gone from the Rams and the 49ers drafted a quarterback with a top five pick. So can you go kind of in depth on that and how some of these teams can hide behind the injury report? Well, you know, we talked about when last year I said, book it, Jared Goff is going to start in that playoff game after his week 16 thumb injury. And he had a pin put in it and he didn't. And everyone's like, Oh, you're wrong. And I was like, well, if they weren't sure about his health, they needed to put up Blake Bortles as another option. Instead, Blake Bortles was inactive. No one goes into the game with one and a half quarterbacks. That told me Goff was healthy. But then it came out because he wasn't ready on Tuesday, they weren't going to play him on, on, on the weekend game. Look, if uh, Tom Brady isn't ready on Tuesday, he's still the starter. Uh, you name the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, he's still the starter, right? And so that told me that he had fallen out of favor or that he wasn't that far off from, from John Wolford. A fully practicing John Wolford was worth more than a not practicing Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. And so that's what means that he fell out of favor. And obviously he got traded. At the same time, when that trade broke down in one of our podcasts, your long snapper buddy, Lonnie Paxton, was on this podcast the week before the Super Bowl. It, you can go back and look at it. And I brought up that the 49ers may be hiding behind health with Jimmy G with his high ankle, the way he didn't come back the rest of the season and we didn't hear anything about him. Yet George Kittle, mm -hmm. with the broken cuboid, came back. So it wasn't about the records. And obviously we see what's happened with Jimmy G in the trade. So yes, hiding behind injuries. And let me say something in defense of Matt Nagy, who I've never met and I don't know. Let's use an example last year. Uh, Anthony Lynn with the Chargers. Tyrod Taylor with that punctured lung, you know, iatrogenic injury, et cetera. What did he say? Tyrod Taylor is my starter. You don't lose your job due to injury. Tyrod Taylor is my starter, period. Then Justin Herbert did pretty well week one. Week two, Tyrod Taylor is my starter. Justin Herbert did pretty well. Week three, Tyrod Taylor is my starter. Justin Herbert did well again. And then it was, yeah, Tyrod, you could come back, but you're not 100%. I want you at 100%. And then by week, I don't know, six or whatever, when Justin Herbert proved he was the guy, Sorry, Tyrod, you're not my starter, right? Why do coaches do that? It makes sense. If Justin Herbert were to struggle, mm -hmm. you could just say, thank you for your service, Justin. You're not ready. Keep learning, but we still love you. Tyrod, come on down, right? If he does well, you can just say you changed your mind. So Andy Dalton being Nagy's starter, Nagy in some ways is protecting Justin Fields, 
If he doesn't play well, he can just say, well, we were never trying to play you right now anyways. Andy Dalton is the starter. On the other hand, if he starts to play very well, and obviously they won this week, the first week, the results weren't so good, then he can say Justin Fields has earned the starter job. So it's a two-way go for the coach if he keeps saying Andy Dalton is the starter. Now, if he says, no, Justin Fields is my starter, and Justin Fields struggles, and Andy Dalton is now healthy, you're now benching your future starter and number one pick. So this is a way not to bench the guy if there's some early struggles. So I look at it differently. I don't think it's that Matt Nagy is crazy and he definitely wants to go with Andy Dalton. I can't get in his mind, but I think there are other reasons for him to say what he's saying. It's actually more protective of Justin Fields going forward by, by playing it this way. It gives him an out if there's early struggles. Okay, so before we end the podcast, Doc, I want to then talk about the 49ers a bit. I'll just give you my personal take. Um, I don't think Trey Lance is anywhere near ready to play in the NFL. He played one college game in two years. He's looked completely lost. And I know the fans want him, but I think it's a little bit different between Lance and Justin Fields, right, who played at Ohio State. Do you think they'll do something similar? Um, And because you've already said you don't think they love Jimmy G, but – do you think they're just going to go to Trey Lance here or this is a team who could still make the playoffs? So do they go back to the veteran? How do you see the 49ers uh, playing this out? Well, I think Kyle Shanahan's a very smart guy and, and he and John Lynch are both very smart and I give them both credit for, they've been pretty honest all the way through about injuries. I think you'll have an idea. It would not surprise me if you had a little bit of an amalgamation. In other words, pure pocket situations, maybe Jimmy G this week, if he can go or soon. I mean, look, it's different. I always say when uh, you use a baseball analogy, okay. First time through the order, the new kid gets some people out. You've never seen him, but by the second, third time through the order, you've seen what he can do or, you know, the, and we see that with quarterbacks a lot, you get some early success but then there's sort of a book on what you can do. Think back to the 49ers. I mean, people at one point were pretty high on Nick Mullins, right? I mean, yeah. he, threw, he threw to Ross Dwelly 1,700 times yeah. and had a ton of success. But what happened when they took Ross Dwelly or the tight end throw away from him, right? And then he struggled, right? Yeah. So uh, the, people are smart in the NFL. The yeah. defense is <laughs> smart. It's not that easy. You can't go to bat with, go be a pitcher with, you know, you have the greatest fastball in the world, but they'll catch up to it. You need additional pitches. You need to round out your game. And I'm not saying Trey Lance won't make it. I'm just saying it's a tough process. I mean, Mac Jones did pretty well last night. Yeah. But in the end, you know, if you look at it, uh, uh, you know, there were still were the timeouts and pseudo games and this that the other and quite honestly as well as he played some of it as we talked about was due to the buck secondary being injured Mm -hmm. but he had two throws that i was like no 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 that's a pick six to the outside right the 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 outside and one to the to uh to devin white in the middle that were like no 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 and they could have the one to the outside i thought was going back the other way oh that totally what right but but they didn't so the narrative he's played very well still a young quarterback who's growing and uh and uh, i think the same with trey lance and uh we'll see i think uh you're looking at more hybrid than 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 just one or the other going forward 
Okay. Um, are we letting uh, Jacob speak on anything today or, or, or no? Is, 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 well, is, he probably is, is, is he more correction. So uh, jump on in, Jacob. If you, you got, got anything, it. Jacob, before we sign off? I mean, he had to, he, thanks for saving me on that one. At first I was like, yeah, that was silly of me to say that. Why did I go down that path? That Richard Sherman thing. I just still see him as a 49er. I, I still see him at a Seahawk sometimes, but I'm 49er for the Bucks was strange for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no problem. Just, Any just, late breaking news, Jacob? Yeah, just just wrapping up some breaking news. Um, Romeo Quara, the linebacker for the Lions, confirmed Achilles. That's their second Achilles uh, on the defensive side. Um, Scherf confirmed MCL sprains. We're right on that. Um, Logan Thomas week to week with hamstring. So like you're talking about, probably more closer to the multiple week thing. Um, and Schefter just tweeted on Josh Jacobs. Uh, they said he's going to warm up and see how he feels before making a decision on if he plays. All right, sounds sounds good there. So Sheriff is the MCL, and then uh, um, um, that's probably the the biggest news. Logan Thomas, we knew, and uh, that sounds good. That sounds good. So there's our uh, thank you there, Jacob, and thank you for being so patient and correcting me when I need to correct you. Well, hey, Doc, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, everyone, make sure to go to profootballdoc.com to get all the injury analysis, see our six scores, our field view. Follow us at profootballdoc on Twitter. Uh, and for Tom Casali, uh, Dr. David Chow, we will see you next week.